Crunch time, welcome back. Plenty of texts and a lot of texts, of course, um, celebrating the life of Kyle Turner, 31, uh, who has passed away. Very, very sad, but the text board most certainly uh, getting behind and supporting um, the family of Kyle Turner. one 1170 You can text 0457 736 736. Now, Adrian Prezenko in the City Morning Herald, I was reading uh, an article that had your moniker attached to it. This week, the federal government committed to $7 million to stage internationals in the Pacific. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, well, it's a hot field for the uh, 18th franchise. The, you've got the uh, talk of you know the Bears, of Brisbane Tigers, of Perth, potentially a second team in New Zealand. But my read on the situation is that they're playing for 19th and 20th spots. I think that that 18th franchise will go to Papua New Guinea. And it's an extraordinary story because the our federal government is all about it. Obviously, the Papua New Guinean government wants to see it happen. And it's basically because, for want of a, a better way of phrasing it, to keep China at bay in the Pacific. It's, and rugby league plays a part in this, that. This game of rugby league that's played predominantly on the east coast of Australia is used as a tool to thwart China's encrosion into the area. It's just crazy. unbelievable. So... Um, I spoke to the to Pat Conroy, who's the Federal Minister for International Development and the Pacific, as well as also being the uh, uh, Foreign Affairs and Trade Minister. Um, you know, he seems to think that this is a big chance of happening. 50 years of independence will be celebrated by PNG in 2025, and they think that the best way to do that is by being granted an NRL licence. Wow. Obviously, they wouldn't be ready to go straight away then, potentially for the next broadcast deal, so maybe 2027, 2028. Um, and we already have the, um, you know, the Hunters already in the competition yes. at, in the um, Queensland Cup. But, look, there's a lot of money that both governments are prepared to commit. And given that's the case, I suspect that Peter Volandis and Andrew Abdo will probably look favourably upon a, a PNG franchise. Where would the home... See, Copes, did you know this? Papua New Guinea is the only country in the world whose national sport is rugby league. Right. So their national sport is rugby league. That's the number one thing. Would they play games there? Would, would yeah, the, it, this whole thing would be contingent on them playing games in Port Moresby. However, they would have a second headquarters, a satellite base in North Queensland. Cairns. Most likely Cairns. Yeah, most likely Cairns. So, Interesting. So if, just that, you know, to cover off on the logistics of, you know, having to travel, etc. and... Well, there's only, I think, you know, four kilometres separating the two nations yeah. Like, yeah, physically. And this would obviously be a way to bring them together. And there's so many other times in terms of, um, you know, participation in sport, um, you know, um, spreading messages of, you know, um, prevention of domestic violence in the region, all of those sorts of things. So there's a lot of upside. And like, no politician will ever go on the record and, and, and say the C word and, and talk about China. But that is 100% why this is a big chance of happening. Wow. Isn't it great, though, you know, looking on the positive side of this, that it, what it does is provide every single person with hope. It, it provides you with an aspiration. It provides you with a goal in life when you may not already have one. And that's, you know, to a different degree and very different circumstances, but what the Matildas are doing for young boys and girls in this country when it comes to football. At the moment, it's it's not just playing a game. It is the inspiration element that they are providing that is 
you can't quantify that. You, you cannot put a yep. physical number on what they are doing to the next generation of kids that are now out in the backyard being the Mackenzie Arnolds and the, you know, Ellie Carpenter's Sam Kerr's of the world. So that's what footy in the region can do. And if they are granted that NRL licence, you know, what a magic time to be alive in PNG. Justin Olam can't walk down the streets of PNG. Like, it just can't happen. Like, he would yeah. be absolutely mobbed. So even even when you look at all of the superstars in our game, like Latrell Mitchell, etc., and what they are earning in endorsements off the field, and you can imagine how many companies are throwing money at Luttrell and, yes. and Ponga and Reese Walsh, Justin Ollum clearly outstrips all of them because wow. of all of the money that he's able to earn from endorsements. Really? Yep, yep. So wow. you, you've, you've got to realise that there's a lot of actual money in particularly in like the resources type um, companies in PNG. So your, your Santos and Newcrest and your ExxonMobil, like all of them, like they are prepared to throw lots of money at it. The PNG government's prepared to throw a lot of money at it. And then all of a sudden you've got the Australian government that's already committed lots of money and will commit, I'm hearing, up to $25 million a year to ensure that this goes ahead. So what was the, sorry, uh, what was the time frame from when the Dolphins was announced as the licence holder or wardee oh, yes. yeah. to when they physically played their first game? What it was, was really it? short. But, but they already had a lot of that infrastructure build up. They had the pathways... Yep. Whereas none of that really exists in PNG. So last month there was an announcement of $5.5 million from the Australian Federal Government to help set up the pathways in PNG. So you've got like guys like Joey Grimer, who's been an assistant um, coach at several NRL clubs. He's going over there. He's identifying the best 14-year-olds, the best 16-year-olds. He's making sure that they have the same level of coaching that our elite juniors have over here. So all of those sorts of things are starting. There's a lot that will need to happen between now and, say, 2025 to, A, give them the nod, and then a further couple of years to actually make it a reality. But that work is starting to be done on the ground in Port Moresby. So when is the next team, which season is the 18th team expected to start their journey? Well, the current broadcast cycle goes until 2027 from memory. So I suspect that you would need to give them the nod early to give them a bit of lead time but potentially it could be coming in in say 2028 could be 2027 potentially as well so that's the sort of time frame that we're looking at for a new team to be joining our competition copes october 2021 dolphins were announced okay interesting uh, i was just wondering you know uh, because so, so, sorry so, so basically 12 months until they started their first off-season training yeah so, and you needed that. They needed leeway for signing players to try and build a roster from scratch. So, so like that, that element comes into it as well. What, what was interesting with that is because that was literally one month before the November 1 signing deadline. Um, but by then, a lot of the players had already committed. Yes. So, you've got to give them a big run-up. You've, you've got to give them more time to say, like, this is who we're going to put in as coach. And then this is how we're going to start building the roster. And give them a chance to go out and start getting all those elite players that they need to make it a success. The, the concern, if you had to play devil's advocate to have a concern, the Hunters who are currently in the QRL, they're running 10th. So that's pretty much the best of the puppet you're getting in players who are not currently playing NRL. Yep. So what does the team itself look like and how do you integrate it all? So what happens if you have a team playing... You know, it's Papua New Guinea. And what if three years into into it, 
hypothetically there isn't a Papua New Guinea player in the starting 13. Is that an issue? I'm just looking at maybe, yeah. would that be an issue? Does the team need to have half the players from Papua New Guinea or some kind of background part of Papua New Guinea? What, do you understand where I'm going Yeah, of, of course. And, and you would like to think that some of those PNG Hunters players will be able to transition into that team. But, of course, you can't... Because yep. what, what I'm currently saying is... Um, these players are already available to NRL teams, but aren't yet they there. Yeah, yeah. So, if you do all of all of a sudden promote these players into the NRL side, is it going to be a competitive side? Well, the, I, I would say that the the ambition there would be that you're inspiring them to capture by having games and accessibility right there on their doorstep. That you are then throwing the catchment net over the entire land yep. so that the next 10 years you get everyone rather than the hopefuls that come to Sydney or wherever and are playing in that league, for yes. example. I think it's about a 10-year plan for the here and now to say, this is where we are. We're going to set up camp. We're going to give you access. We want you to be part of our national product in the hope that in 10 years' time that you can be running a fully functional internal process not needing to go elsewhere if you don't want to yes but i think at the moment you know those players not being in the nrl i don't think it's fair to say you know the fact that they're not already in the nrl that that's a judgment on where it would be with an nrl club because i think the inspiration the resources the facilities being better will just drive everyone forward so um it's a long way of saying i get your point yeah but also i think just naturally by the commitment and the accessibility, the people idolising yep. Joel Kane, that's running out every yep. week in front of them, is going to naturally just bring yep. everyone to the fore. Sure, it's a, it's a valid point that you make. So the the issue isn't talent, right? There's not. There are plenty of talented young kids over there, but they've never received the coaching yes. that we have over here. Yes, and that's what's that's what's changed. So last month, that five and a half mil will be to get. Let's recognise the best fourteens and sixteens. Bring them in, give them elite coaching, coach the coaches as well, so that copes what you're saying. In time, they will be ready to transition into the elite. It's a fair point. Um, it's not a guarantee either, though. No, 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 that's you know. right. And, and they and they would certainly need players from outside of PNG. Like, of course they would. They yeah. would need to get you know the the best you know like the Dolphins have done. You know, build a team, and obviously sprinkle that with some local juniors. It's like the we're not seeing like you know 17 blokes from Redcliffe run out every week. No, that's right. But 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 you have given them an aspiration, a chance to, to grow up knowing that if you go through that system, yep. you'll get identified, you'll be cultivated and you will have a chance to represent that region. No, that's fair call. I, I, I'm supportive of it um, and I just I, I'm much rather that than the idea of this Pacifica team. The idea of the Pacifica team sounds lovely, but as we've seen with St George Illawarra and West Tigers when you're bringing in two different uh, establishments, it's very hard to win, let alone bringing in different countries. Yeah. I, I just Often the West Indies talk about that in cricket. Do I, exactly. Because it's not a country. Yes. It is a collective group of players from different parts that's of the a world. Great, that's a great analogy. I, I, I think, you know, the great strength of this would be, I think, and the foresight of the NRL, hopefully, is that, there is some sort of incentivization to contract local players. So, you know, whether it's a third-party arrangement, whether it's, you know, from the NRL that incentivizes them to say, 
Justin Ollum can be our figurehead of our marketing campaigns. That it's not just who's the best player, but you know maybe three players are allowed to be exempt from certain parts of the cap. No, I totally yeah, that's, agree. That's that's a really good point because we didn't see that with the Dolphins, right? We didn't see that they got any salary cap that's dispensation or whatever else. But all of a sudden, you've got two federal governments involved that are bankrolling it, and and given the the circumstances that you just pointed out, Sugar, the, the logistics of trying to do it done, I wouldn't be surprised if they did get some leg-ups in terms of salary cap exemptions they or, have to. Or, or, or football, yeah, all of those sorts of things. They, they absolutely have to because... And the other thing, the P&G side should not have to be slugged with the same price for Justin Olam as, say, the open market. We want him going there, don't we? Of everyone, course. Everyone wants someone like a Justin Olam going there. Just before we move on, boys, whilst I'm on this QRL site... Um, the front page of the Host Plus Cup it says we all miss him greatly. I can remember as Paul Green. There's an article there. I tell you what, boys, these medals they do have an impact. I was walked into a bakery yesterday. Marnie and Karen, who were at the front desk there at the bakery, and, and the first thing they said to me, this was Friday morning. They said, "Who won the Paul Green medal?" And I said, "Oh, look, I, I don't, I don't know. I fell asleep before the end of the game." And I said, "But I'll find out." And they said, "Was it Connor?" He had a blind, and Connor must go to their shop because they seemed like they wanted it to be him. Yeah. And as it turns out, it was Connor Tracy. Yeah. So just a tip of the hat to um, to both clubs, the Cowboys and the Sharks, because these medals do mean uh, things to people and uh, getting behind the Green family, of course. And, and just repeating, if you haven't heard the news, um, Kyle Turner has passed away at the age of 31, and it's so very sad. The text board is lit up uh, absolutely. one 1170 is a way to have your say. Timmy Manor. He's a local here, uh, the Combank Stadium hero. He's going to join us a little bit later on. But let's go through for top dollar. He would get a similar reception to, say, Justin Ollum down, you know, downtown Port Moresby when he walks into here. Let's go into this game really quickly. <laughs> exactly right. For top dollar, what's happening this afternoon for top dollar mineral cyclers? The West Tigers and the Dolphins Combank Stadium here at 3 o'clock. Uh, Luke Brooks won't play with a calf injury. Is that his last game really quickly, AP? It could be. And calf injuries, I mean, how would you know? And it's a shame because they were going to um, honour him or pay tribute yes. to him, um, and now he's not here. So, so Appy Coruscant goes into the halves where he did play for Fiji in the halves. So he'll be alongside Dane Laurie, who's doing a good job. For the Dolphins, uh, Wayne Bennett has confirmed that Trey Fuller will make his debut. So there's some of the changes coming up. Nick Arima remains at fullback. Uh, Milford goes off the bench. So there's uh, what's happening uh, this afternoon, all thanks to Top Dollar. Um, what will happen there? Top Dollar Metal Recyclers. Visit topdollar.com.au.